Welcome to the IMO podcast. Honest and open conversations with care leavers. Hey, it's Chris with the IMO podcast and today I am up in Coventry uh, with Ella Dillon who's made quite an entrance, marching in the door, spilling her water, uh, slamming the door against that. What a way to come in. Now Ella, you are an IMO pioneer. You helped us out with the very first IMO website. Uh, you are studying law I- at university. You're an advisor for the council on their fostering panel. You are a campaigner for children's rights. You're everything, Ella. You're amazing. Tell us about your. I'm a busy your, bee. You're I don't a busy like bee. Sleep. Yeah. Do you ever get time to sleep? I'm getting a solid five hours, so we're doing good. That's a, they say that's just enough. <laughs> so you just said you'd had a big win in one of your your children's rights campaigns on Article Thirty Nine. Tell me about that. Um. Yeah. So I'm a trustee for Article Thirty Nine, and Article Thirty Nine, alongside a number of other charities, I think it was about fifty, felt that statutory guidance they called a myth-busting guide was completely inappropriate as it was trying to change the law and give statutory guidance that meant that, for example, if a child was in a foster home for a certain period of time, there could be less visits. If a child was on staying put, the PA could do the role of supervising social worker and the child's PA. All of this is completely inappropriate, it's not legal, Um, so we created a legal challenge and they've backed down and removed the guidance from circulation um, without us having to go to court. So it's definitely a really important move for children's rights and a big win. What a win. And studying law, that must help in that? It gives me my passion for law. Uh It's when we've got amazing barristers that we're able to get is that um, achieve that um, it definitely gives me the passion to be like them what made you want to uh, study law in the first place um, when I was in residential I got a real passion for children's rights and participation quite specifically and I started attending my own children in care council voice of care and they very quickly just took me in and gave me a really secure group and a very secure feeling I just felt it was very, very important. And it just sort of went from there, really. So I was in residential, I was neat. I decided that I wanted to self-study A-levels. Um, my local authority got me the funding to do that. Yeah. I did get a U. <laughs> and then I went to the Open Uni for a year, and now I'm at Coventry University doing my law degree. And I think it's just really that passion for the voice of the child, advocating for children because not all of my experiences were good enough. I'm somebody that had a voice and was empowered to have a voice from a very young age. So I was able to stand up for myself and say, you know, I was the kid that came to a lack review once with the legislation. (laughs) I once taught a social worker, so he was like, oh, I don't know what your entitlements are if you go to university. So the next time he visited, I had the legislation and I educated him. And... All of that just sort of led me to law, I think, because it's so fundamental to every element of life. When you got a U, how do you bounce back from that? Because that didn't hold you back at all. You're now at university. So how do you make that leap from perhaps not the result you wanted, first of all, to making that next step and just keep on going? Well, that happened in the August. So I think August, we were away on holiday. Um, I'd just gone back to living with my mum. And it was just very much, well, I still want a law degree. I still want to study the law. How can I do this? And the lo- and Open University, as long as you're passionate and 
you show that you've got an ability and commitment, they're more than happy to accept you. So it just seemed like the perfect option for me. And I really enjoyed it. It gave me a passion. Very long story. But essentially now I'm at Coventry University and we're doing good. So you mentioned residential care. What was that like for you? I think being a parent in general was really difficult, but care saved me. Mm-hmm. It kept me safe when nobody else was able to um, at that time, and it gave me my passion. So I've got my best memories and I've got my worst memories, but ultimately it kept me safe. Uh-huh. And I think that's just something people don't really say. Like, it's emotionally difficult. Even if you're in the best home, it's hard. It's really hard. How many places did you live in? So I initially lived in a local authority run home. I was there for 10 days. Right. I was then kicked out. <laughs> My behaviour weren't the best. I got charged with, charged and convicted of two counts of assault uh-huh. and criminal damage. Right. In real terms, what that meant was I ripped up paper into little be- bits because I don't know, that's always been like a really calming thing for me. Yeah. Um, and I smashed a mouldy banana and rubbed it over a staff member's face. Right. So a brief 10-day period in that in that one. And yeah, is that a very difficult in, period. And is that when you left in the police van? Um, so yeah, then I was taken into police custody. Right. I was there for over 24 hours, under 48 hours. How old were you when this was going on? I was 15 on? years old. 15, right, Ella. And then I was moved to a residential care home run by Cambion. So a private residential care company. I stayed there for about, well, it was a year and a bit. And then two days after Christmas, on the 28th of December 2016, I was moved to another placement in Northampton. I was 17 at this point. Mm -hmm. And I was on a semi-independence programme. Right. And then I just couldn't hack it. I knew things weren't going to be brilliant at home. I knew things weren't probably going to have changed that much at home, but I couldn't do it. I was absolutely petrified of living by myself mm. because I couldn't be alone. Yeah, I couldn't be with my own thoughts and my own experiences. Um, so I went back to my mum's and I'm still there. It's not perfect. It's hard. It's difficult. It's emotional, but I wasn't aggressive. I was just really sad. And I get, as a minimum wage worker that has received barely any training at 21 to 25, because that was the majority of the ages of our staff in that home, yeah, I get you don't want to stay up till 3 a.m. with a sobbing kid, Mm. but you're in emotional behavioral difficulties home. What do you expect? Mm. You spoke earlier about uh, criminalisation of children yes. and young people. If we were to take, for example, what you said you did in, in, in your children's home earlier on, um, with the tearing up paper or the banana or whatever, if we were just to imagine that's not actually an act of criminality, it's an act of communication, what were you saying? I was saying I've been here for 10 days. I have no idea how long I'm staying here. I've not been allowed to leave the home. Every time I leave the home, you call the police. The only contact I've had with my parents was supervised, indifferent of the fact I was on a Section 20. I have only seen my social worker twice. 
I've had no explanation, no idea of my care plan. I was scared. I was vulnerable. So I've uh, read interviews with you before where you've talked about the police being used as behaviour management tools for children in care. Tell me a bit more about what that means. I think I need to preface that by saying, you know, this isn't every home. Um, I'm doing a project funded by Catch-22 at the moment around criminalisation and the police and residential care. And I've been to some great homes in Coventry. But there are also homes, and I think it does link to privatisation, where it is about profit. If you look at other countries, it's an esteemed job. You need a degree, you need proper experience. If you look at foster carers, the amount of information... So uh, Form C is the application form, essentially, for a foster carer. It looks at you know, their childhood experiences, their experience of parenting, if they've got any medical issues, if they've got, you know, it really, you get a really deep understanding of who those people are and their intentions because they are looking after vulnerable Mm -hmm. children. Yeah. Children are placed in residential care because they couldn't be placed in foster placements because they have a real high level of emotional or behavioural difficulties. And these people can walk in off, a st- off the street with a DBS, pass an interview and do a couple of weeks training. Um, before Ofsted came in, one, one of the things they'd do, so if you wouldn't go to bed and you were on the lower floor, they'd cut all the electricity off on the lower floor so you weren't able to make a cup of tea or watch the television or charge your phone or anything like that in an attempt to force us up to bed. Once I'd spoken to our... Regulation 44 um, person about that, they stopped. But things like that, you know, complete disregard for what could have been our experiences. A lot of children that come into care have experiences of neglect and poverty. Mm. And turning off the electricity can be really traumatic. Also, if your kid ain't going to bed, you tell them to go to bed. And when they don't, you know, you just parent them. You don't go, oh, well, it's a residential home, so we've got the ability to turn the lights off downstairs. Or another thing they'd do is if you didn't go to bed on time in the mornings, they'd um, set off the fire alarm to get you all out of bed. But that ain't parenting. No parent has the ability to do that. So it's becoming more institutionalised. What's the impact of being threatened with the, the police? My experiences were, before coming into care, were my lowest and part of those experiences had been being in the cell being arrested so i don't think the threat ever really worked with me it was like i've been there doing that what are you gonna do i really really don't care but it's not appropriate the police are not behavior management the police are not there to do your job the police are not a taxi service They're just not. This is not within the police's role. The police are there to protect, you know, and it is never, ever, ever going to be in the public interest, anybody can debate it with me because I will win, um, (laughs) for a vulnerable child that is looked after by the state, because we've got to remember that, Mm -hmm. being arrested for blowing smoke in a staff member's face. I was held in the cell overnight for that one, got charged with assault obviously when it went to court I got no further action Mm. 
Because the judge was smart enough to realise it wasn't in the public interest. Mm. If that stays on your record, like, what if you want a DBS check or something in the future? Oh, these, that is always a fitting conversation. So for my roles at the moment, I've got an enhanced DBS. I've said it before and I still really believe it. Um, and it's sad that I believe it, but I don't think I'd apply for a job outside of my lo- own local authority at this stage. I've got this fear and anxiety that it would affect my ability to get roles, because if you've got two people and one of them's got a criminal record and one hasn't, one's ticked the box, one hasn't, why are you hiring the person with the box ticked? What are the big steps you've made when you look back over your life? Like, what are the big obstacles you've overcome? The first sort of barrier into taking ownership of my life and coming on the journey that I am now is it was a night and there was a knock on the door and it was the police. It was probably about seven o'clock at night and it weren't even for me, it was for another kid um, during a safe and well check on them. But I just completely broke down mm-hmm. and all this stuff that people had said about being manipulated, being the victim, like it not being my fault and I made them drive me to the police station, I made a statement um, and I think that was the first step this sort of journey of okay maybe maybe you don't need to hate yourself as much maybe you don't need to blame yourself as much maybe you do have the ability to do something good and then the manager of that home was very passionate about participation and the rights of the child and got me interested in that and sort of led me on this journey I guess started that journey of creating a passion. Do you ever look back and go wow like I've come pretty far no, because I'm not there yet. Where are you, he- when we say there, where are you headed? Where is it? I think I will have that moment when I've got my wig on, my barrister's wig on, and I'm being accepted into an inn oh. of court. And then I'll be like, okay, yeah, I've made it. I can okay, see it. yeah, I've got through this journey, but not until I'm accepted to an inn of court. I just feel like that's going to be a very, that's the start of a new journey. Yeah. And that's kind of the image I have in my head. You know, that's where this journey ends. Uh-huh. Being care experienced, I very much see in a positive light and is enabling me to do some good. And I feel like when I've got my degree, that will define, you know, my ability to do good. But right now, you know, use it, flaunt it, be proud of it, because it gets you opportunities. When I first left care, it was very much part of my journey to not say no to anything. And that was just my ethos. So I was doing the open uni, which means that I was studying part-time. I could do it all from home. So I was just like, I'm not going to say no to nothing. I'm going to go out there, seek opportunities, and just see where this year takes me. And it meant that I got really, really involved with my participation team, Voice of Care. It meant that I was doing more interviewing of social workers, which led to me meeting the Howard League and doing some stuff with them. And it's all, it's all sort of snowballed into me being very, very busy, but very, very happy. And I feel engaged with the issues that I care about. And how did you get that outlook on life to be so positive? Can you place where that comes from? If we all left care and just spoke about how shit it is, mm. what's that doing for the next generation? And there's one girl, I won't say her name, but... She has had the 
worst experiences in life. The worst experience. Yeah. And she's been let down by her local authority more times than I could even count. And she's still being let down. She's still a child in the system and she's still being let down. And she calls me every so often. And when I want to be sad about my own experience and I want to sit there and mope about my own experience, I've got a voice. I've got a voice that is loud, is proud. How can I not use that voice? When she's still in the system, still not getting what she deserves, still not getting the parenting she deserves, we've got to do something for the next generation because, okay, a lot of our experiences aren't good enough, but look at what the last generation of care leavers did for us. Their voices mean that our experiences, comparatively, are a lot better. You know, there's a lot less child abuse within the care system than there was, you know, going back a generation. The problems we experience today are still not good enough. I've not got big goals. All I want is for traumatised children that enter the system to leave without any additional trauma. I don't think there is a big expectation. You know, you shouldn't need therapy because you're in care. Mm. You should get therapy for your issues and experiences before care, mm. whilst in the system, and leave as a well-adjusted, happy adult. Do you think you're doing really well because of being in care or in spite of it? For me, because of, you know, my experiences, the good and the bad drive me. Because mm-hmm. I've got a voice and I feel empowered to use my voice. So who's helped you the most? Um, I think it depends on what stage of my journey. Um, since I turned 18, I think very much my local authority support me around that. Our children's champion is just amazing. And she's there for the, my life's not going so great moments. And the, I'm struggling with this emotionally at work moments. And the, woo, I did make great moments. <laughs> so she's just very... She's definitely a rock. My PA, my personal advisor. Yeah. She's absolutely amazing. She just really cares. Your face is just lit up when you start talking about these people. Yeah, because they are there and they are so consistent and amazing. I mean, I'm the first to tell Coventry, like, if I don't think something's going right within our local authority, I'm the first to tell everybody about it. Mm-hmm. If I hear something when I'm at a luck review or something like that, I'm the first to tell and share that information. But also I think it's important to recognise that we're, there's a lot of really good things about Coventry. Mm-hmm. We've got loads of care leavers that are working within social care. We've got, you know, it seems like a really stupid thing, but I got a glass of water before this and one of our operational leads wished me luck and she was interested in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a really supportive team. If people wanted to find you on Twitter, Ella, where can we find you? Um, Ella Dillon. It's really simple. E-L-L-A-D-H-I-L-L-O-N. Yes. That's right. Great. And I basically just tweet about stuff I'm doing and things that I think are interesting. Fantastic. Because we get a lot of interesting things happening around the system and changes and, yeah. Do quite interesting stuff sometimes. Yeah, it sounds like you do. 
Ella, I just want to thank you very much. You've been so open and honest, and I don't think I'm ever going to forget this conversation. It was was a real privilege to have spoken to you. You're amazing, and I just can't wait to see where you go and what you do next. So thank you, Ella, so much. No problem. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more stories, experiences and advice from others in care, visit imohub.org.uk. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at imo underscore latest.